Hello wherever you are and welcome to On The Record Off The Cuff album reviews. Uh, this evening it's the gruesome twosome with just uh, myself and Ian. Hello. Ian this evening. I- Ian, I have to say, Ian records with a certain attire uh, on every time. <laughs> so I'm getting very familiar with, with Ian's um, uh, stripy green and red jumper, which is, is excellent. Completely not relevant to what we're going to do, but I just thought I'd mention it. because it's becoming a feature which is nice this evening's album is how to make friends and influence people by terrorvision it felt like a good one for for a little two-piece as we said came out in 1994 i'll come on to it a little bit more in a bit that there was uh, some interesting albums out that year and and how this does or doesn't fit into that but um i think the first thing as soon as it was Ian who suggested this, and as soon as um, I started thinking about it, the thing that really started churning round in my mind a little bit was Terrorvision as a band. They're a, a, a band that are fairly local to myself and Ian. I think they are, I wouldn't say unique, but in, in a sort of smallish category, in a way, types of as a type of band goes. So yeah, so the thing it got me thinking about first was Terrorvision as a band. Ian, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's the way. Yeah, I'm no, I, I think that's probably a good good place to start. Really. So, like you say, they're they're local. They're just from up the road in Bradford. They're locally, you know, so local in fact that um, they used to hang out in Rio's in Bradford. So quite often. Uh, would be in there, and so would they. It was, uh, you know, it was a nice bit of uh, local <laughs> celebrity. The first time I actually came across them, I was uh, I was day drinking in the Zetland, as I always want to do in those days. I think it probably be about ninety two or ninety three, and some lads had come across from Bradford who we didn't know, and we just got chatting to them at the bar, and we said, "Well, you know, what you're doing up here?" And they said, "We've come to see Terrorvision," and we said. Well, who's Terrorvision then? And they were going, oh, oh, they're absolutely brilliant. And they were playing at the university student union that night. So my mate and I did the usual and blagged our way in because <laughs> we didn't have tickets. And they were blinding. And I, th- I think I've loved them ever, ever since. What you're saying is uh, as what they are as a band. It's interesting because they're, they're a four-piece, the classic kind of rock band. The trouble with a lot of four-piece rock bands, I find, is when they the guitar especially is chord-based, or a lot of the songs are chord-based, the moment the guitarist goes off and does a lead solo, the whole middle of the of the sound just drops out. Now, Terrorvision are kind of very riffy and fiddly-driven kind of band. The signature of a lot of their songs are, is a guitar that's constantly on the move and the bass that's supporting it. In that way, I think they're a little bit like Wolfsbane uh, from, the, from the Midlands, who are also a, a four-piece that managed to make a lot of noise without having that extra guitarist filling in the chords, which, you know, would put me out of work straight away <laughs> as the guy that plays the chords left over. And so I think the two definitive things about them as a band are one is that you know that that kind of riffage that's always on the move and secondly they're so bouncy i think that's the way you, you would dis- describe them you have to jump up and down to, to television it's just that's what it sounds like it sounds boingy um yeah no I, I i get what you're saying the sort of 
makeup of the band in terms of instruments. Classic lineup. I, I know what you mean about how the guitar is utilised in a band in that sense. I immediately thought of the last two pieces we did that was extreme, but that's possibly a bit of an unfair comparison for <laughs> yeah, a bunch of reasons with no disrespect intended whatsoever. Well, um, Yates is a good guitarist, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah that's much. an unfair comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, when I was talking about the, the band, what I thought of the band, I think I was, I was doing the thing which as musicians and people who listen to music, you, you think, oh, well, you know, you never pigeonhole stuff, do you? Because that's not the point. You know, there's a purity in what's delivered and it just is what it is from the individual and all that kind of thing. But immediately, the thing that hit me when I started thinking about television was, how would I categorise television? Uh, yeah. Just in the terms of, you know, where they sat in and amongst the firmament of music in, in 1994 sort of thing. How would they transpose into 2023? And, and that kind of thing. And I, I came away with a, a term which is, it's it's not meant to be sort of uncomplimentary because it isn't, but like this this idea, and I read it, I went back and read a few retrospective reviews as well to sort of prep for this, of such sort of places like, you know, the, the music presses at the time, the sort of NME stuff, and, and also like there was one from The Guardian, which was quite a, an int- a weird read, but... But yeah, party band is the thing. And I'm yeah. sort of like, well, I don't know what that means. And is that, but it sort of fits. I don't know if you I think, to... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. And I, I, I don't think that is a derogatory term because. The, no, no, not intended. No. Because the, the fact is, there's nothing more joyful than a television gig. You know, it's it's a, a good time is, is had by all. And I think, I mean, we've talked, we, we've done some grunge albums in this series and we've talked about, you know, the, the oft-trotted out uh, cliche of Nirvana coming and, and sweeping all before them into, into the gutter. And mainly we're talking about hair metal and that side, side of things. There were these bands that existed, which are good, solid rock bands that were never hair metal bands. They were never that kind of, you know, ridiculous, pompous LA type, type bands. They also weren't grunge bands, although they had some alt bits and pieces and terrorvision were an example of uh, of one of those bands i i would also think you've got you know bands like supergrass in with that although they weren't they weren't quite as heavy in their rock they still had that that same spirit and i think what you hear and we'll get onto it as we go through the album is there's a huge range of sounds and influences that they turn their hand to you kind of why they're a a little bit difficult to describe because the songs don't all sound the same. They're not formulaic. You know, it's not straight ahead rock by by any sense. But running through it all is a real sense of, of humour and, you know, fun and just having a good time. And they always, they're like that on stage. I mean, Tony is an incredible front man. So the reason they also probably got talked about as a, a party band is often a lot of bands, especially around that time, were incredibly po-faced and, 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 you know, going out of their way to try and be intellectual and serious. You know, some of it for affectation. And, um, you know, Terrorvision didn't, definitely didn't fall into that camp, although lyrically they, you know, they were touching on things with as much depth as any other band, really. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting onto some of the lyrics. Actually, unusual for me to say that, I know, but, <laughs> but yeah, somehow in, a, in with this band and the way that they sound, the lyrics hit me a bit more than 
bands who are really saying something hard and they sort of fly by my my head I don't know something about the way that they present I'm trying to think of the first time I heard of television and I honestly can't remember I have a sneaking suspicion I'm pretty sure I'd heard formaldehyde before this my house used to uh, get played a lot in bogus Uh, well oddly enough I I've just played um there was a a b-side of my house which was like a really sort of heavy rock version like a remix and I always loved that. And indeed, I used to play it myself when I used to D-Day down there with, <laughs> with uh, my mate Swellsy. And um, yeah, that and American TV. This album felt like it had more My House and American TVs on it in yep. a way, because I think they were very, very much the strongest two songs from Formaldehyde. Yes. So this felt like a, they thought, oh, hang on, we've got something here with these. Let's sort of do some things in this direction and try and be particularly you know right hits i guess and it's pretty straightforward and indeed they did yeah but yeah i can't i can't remember this this album was a big part of my day i think the other thing about characterizing this as well the 90s in general were there was so much going on in the 90s for music <laughs> basically so to so sort of fit in anywhere was more challenging because there were a lot of different flavors and i think uh, well i don't even think it's arguable particularly that if you went into the charts or the enemy or enemy equivalent, I don't think you'd find the breadth and range that you found in the similar publications in 1994 in terms of bands and different types. I just I just started sort of having a, a bit of a look. I mean, things that came out in 1994, definitely maybe Oasis, Soundgarden's Super Unknown, uh, Portishead's Dummy, Green Day's Dookie, that's... Perhaps yeah. getting there ever so slightly, but not really. Um, stuff like Beck's Mellow Gold, uh, Pearl Jam Fatality, Trouble Gun by Therapy. And again, I'm thinking, yeah. you know, that Therapy, you know, not perhaps a band, you know, a band that were ever as big as, as Green Day, Oasis or Pearl Jam. And I think obviously Terravision are, are in that, you know, that sort of bracket of perhaps very well known in the UK, heavily gigging uh, band. I'm not... I, I don't, you know, I don't think they ever sort of broke America per se, anything like that. So that's interesting. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? In a, in a sense, that it's does it help a band to be unique if it's never hit a never hit a level where it's got another expectation and another pressure and another side of the record company? So that's the kind of you know the, the sort of level that, that the band is on speaks to what they sound like and how they continue to be. But but, but essentially, sort of looking at the. A, a list of a random list of, of albums from 1994 they don't sound like anybody else there's no. nothing nothing of that sort of mid-tier to upper tier that, that sort of sounds like this and i think that's really interesting uh, admirals admirables kind of the wrong way of looking at it they did <laughs> what they did that's really interesting the other thing about them as well is i think they're a live band they're a oh yeah great on record but this idea of you know, what they do and the fact that they have these sort of belt and braces component parts and utilise them in that way. There isn't shitloads of production necessarily. There's some nice production touches that we'll, I'm sure we'll mention, which, which are great, but essentially, yes, it's um, a, a four-piece live bouncy rock. I hate to say it again, even though there's no ill-intent party <laughs> band. Some of the reviews as well, what was one of the boozy bonhomie type of thing? That That sort of I, I think that's a little bit. I think that was the Guardian one, actually. That was a little bit sort of. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that rings true. No. Um, 
there's you know there's also a bit of you know they're from Bradford <laughs> this kind of northern scallywags kind yes, of going, kind yeah. of thing you know they're yeah, not yeah. sophisticated Londoners um <laughs> I think there's that comes across in some of the reviews that the point about life band I was just watching uh found on YouTube actually it was um it was their set from Reading in 94 which I think the version on YouTube was captured from Spanish TV by the looks of it. Um, not, not American TV. <laughs> <laughs> ah, very good. But yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty much like, like the record. Uh, Tony gets slightly yeah. out of breath a couple of times when he's <laughs> careering around the, the, the stage. But actually, I mean, that's one of the things that marks out. His, his vocals are incredibly strong. And even when he's out of breath, he's still got the vibrato and the, and the depth and the quality to his voice. He doesn't sound like an out-of-breath bloke shouting, which is, you know, a lot of rock bands can sound like that live, especially if they're jumping about, you know. And, you know, the, the uh, well, you know, the rest of them, they're, they're all uh, very, very competent and, um, yeah, put it, put it out there. There's no compromises live there's no kind of oh we pulled this off in the studio but we can't quite manage it live it's it is what it is uh, and another little side mention because i've got to there's a little little uh little band that you and i played in many years ago called tim spoons <laughs> and uh, there were several uh television songs throughout the various lineups of tim spoons yeah which was always fun and again spoke to very much you know li- little pub covers band and my goodness did these tunes do their job you know, testament to how good they actually were for me, in many ways. Uh, not, not, not that us p- pretenders and Dana play or anything like that. Just the fact <laughs> that they they gave you a little bit of genuine artillery because it was just so damn good live. Yeah, uh, which was always great. Okay, well, let's uh, let's start wending our way through the tracks as there are quite a few. Well, o- open with uh, Alice. What's the matter? First track on the album. I, I like the track, and and it's but it's an interesting one for me because I I think there are stronger tracks that may have opened unless I'm just being. Well, no, Alice, what's the matter? Was a single anyway, so so yeah. it is a single. But I just think there's possibly stronger openers. But then again, I may be well be biasing based on the amount of punch I want in an opener. I don't know. And of course, there is the shall we mention it at the beginning or shall we mention it at the end aspect of this which yeah. uh particular which does work with with the intro of, of alice alice what's the matter so that's the thing it doesn't actually start with alice what's the matter it's it After starts with the, <laughs> it starts with the the end of the last song as a as a sample and then dives into alice what's or oh, does the end of the last song finish with the start of the first song Ian? It's, pretty much yeah oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> it's that the ticker tock ticker tock kind of sample yeah absolutely so yeah, so that's where it actually starts. I've got to say, I think it's a great opener. the The thing about the the album is, there's not a song on this which cracks four minutes. I don't think is the most of them are three, three and a half minutes long. This is two yeah. minutes forty or 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 thereabouts. It doesn't sound like a short song either. It gets in it, does it? So you've got verses, you've got choruses, you've got um, uh, middle eights and breakdowns. It, it, you know, it, it's all there. But I think what it does do is it just highlights what they what they do that you know it's like who are who are television listen to this they're a they're a loud powerful British rock band with um, with bouncy uh, bouncy riffs and sing along choruses. The classic way to look at the album is if you look at the album tracks, the titles of the tracks are pretty much what 
what the chorus is. So it, you know, it's it's one of those. They're all kind of choruses you can uh, you can uh, uh, join in with. You know, as what's what's the matter? It's got plenty of those hooks that you can jump on pretty much halfway through the song. You you kind of know how to how to join in. It's a great start. So to be clear, I do love the song. Nothing wrong with it. It's certainly a worthy single. I think I'm just sulking because I think Discotech Rex should have opened it. But that's just really, <laughs> uh, uh, you've got to keep your powder dry. That's... Yeah, yeah, it's, that's <laughs> it. I, I think that's just a, a natural paddy bias, to be fair. I love that. Yeah, obviously, the first presentation of, of lyrics is this song opening the album, and I do. I quite like when a band has a sort of lyric lyrical approach like this. It's I, I'm not sure how to say it. It's just like ordinary speech. It's communal garden. Yeah. isms it's not you know not like uh i don't know the purported wayne hussey poetry type thing or or any sort of sophistication um it's just sort of day-to-day speech uh, uh, one of the few comparisons i would garner with modern a more modern band is like i i, I know i keep trying to push you to listen to them a bit but like don brocco because they some of their lyrics are so ordinary is the word I keep coming back to it's so strange it's like um they, they seem to be made up of a couple of people in the kitchen having a conversation and broken down and made to rhyme and, and made to be logical and, and excellently presented as lyrics but um but I kind of like that I like that down-to-earth thing and you know yeah, it, it, it chimes with the northernness of it when people yeah. are looking north. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, and there is there is a lot of that on this album, but there is also a lot of very poetic and and quite uh, uh, dense and um, gymnastics. Yeah, <laughs> linguistic g- gymnastics. You know, and there's some songs you look and you go, I have no idea what the hell that is. I get a feeling from it, but I'm not actually not sure of the sub- subject matter. So I think I think they span everything, but. Um, yeah, this it's pretty uh, pretty straight ahead on this one. Love the downstrokes, the little muted downstrokes. Yep. Um, when he's kind of whispering the main the main line. As I say, I'm just biased about what I think should be the open page. <laughs> That's my problem. And again, as we say, there's this uh, circular continuity of the intro being what comes out the last song on the album. But yeah. N- noteworthy being the last song on the album. If you listen to it on the CD, there is a hidden. Uh, oh, yeah. in, in speech marks track but it's not really a track it's just some stuff that was recorded so i think we can discount it in the way that we added it in on on um jagged little pill for example yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a slightly different uh, slightly different thing anyway this stumbles into an app uh, can i am i going to use the word yeah i'm not going to use it oh, i'll go on then. are you gonna are you gonna <laughs> there, there you go you get one per episode okay well <laughs> oblivion wow it's all about the doo-wops, isn't it? It's all about the uh, way, hey, hey, Bon Jovi-esque chorus, which is, again, it's that kind of chorus which is beautifully shaped in the shape of a television song. Yeah. Therefore, you have a doo-wop, a doo-wop, with a nice, simple little uh, little melody on it. And it's it's something so straightforward, but it's absolutely huge. The song's put together in a, in a lovely way as well. I love the little the little unison bits, the da 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 da, da as you say, yeah. which speaks to the guitar stays fairly busy. It's not just um, chugging on chords all the time or playing open chords all the time. Both of those things are done on other songs and done really oh, well yeah, they... in, in the right way. But 
Mark Yates is always busy. And again, humour, you know, here's some humour. It's, it's, I'm going to say you can't take it seriously, what the lyrics allude to. You know, you've got to think about that. But the delivery is certainly a, a humorous, light delivery and, and you know, mechanised that way, perhaps. I, I think what it is, it's just a, a kind of unselfconscious form of writing. So what sounds good here? Going do what, do, do, do what? That sounds good. Right, we'll do it. Whereas other bands are going, we can't, you can't do that. Yeah. That's it, you know, and they... This is what I love about television. If they hear something or or they have got an idea that fits, they'll put it in. They're not, you know. There's more of that on, on later on. That you know the range of styles and the kind of grab bag of uh, of musical tricks that they pick from are not all out of the you know they're not all shopping in the same rock riff store. There's all sorts of stuff going on here, and to to, to pull pull in some, a chorus like like this, and and you're dead right. I mean. How is that any different than having a whoa, whoa, whoa or a yeah, 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 which other bands would find acceptable um, Absolutely. A, a lot more, you know? And the fact is, you can pull it off as well. <laughs> I kind of I like this because this is more a what babaloo about black bamboo or a tutti, you know, tutti frutti. Yeah. It's, and I mean, let's face it, but those, those two examples are, are massive. Yeah, uh, I'm not implied that this is similar, but it's like, well, here's another sort of representation in that style. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've landed it really well with the idea of it, it's an unconcerned, carefree way of writing because yeah. there isn't a self-conscious. Yeah, you're sort of letting people discover who you are rather than trying to paint a picture of who you'd like them to think you, you want yeah. to be and so on and so forth, which is, is very, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's very on point, I think. But yeah, ultimately, though, this song ends up being a bit of a classic. It's the type of song that's massive in the set. Uh, it's the type of song that a lot of... I think it's one of those that the style of the song means if you've heard it once on the radio, it definitely sticks. And if you aren't particularly familiar with uh, with Oblivion... I, I mean, this is a very television thing, right? So people who don't know the band Terrorvision, there's a strong chance if you played them that's, yes, yes, I do I do know this. Yeah. Or, or if you said... You know that Whales and Dolphins song? And then, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Whales and Dolphins. You know, little knowing that that's actually not what the song's called and that it's, yeah. you know, television playing it sort of thing. And, and again, tequila in, in many ways. They do that very well. You know, the, the carefree writing approach doesn't mean that they can't write a serious earworm that would get lots of radio play and sort of stick like glue on the first impact. And yes, this this is one of those. I think this is... This is the one on the album that is possibly the biggest one, and I think it's because yeah. of the doo wops. To be honest, uh, universal doo wops. Yeah, very, very likely is this. I'll just a shout up to my uh, my good lady wife Caroline. This is this is our song. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> in a you know, if people still have songs like that, um, the, the, this one's ours, and always has been. The other thing is, uh, uh, from a production point of view. Is there some sax on there? The sound in the burp kind of uh, kind of bits. It sounds like uh, you know, like a tenor sax rather than a, a, an alto. It's definitely there's something on there, but there's nothing credited on the album. So I mean, it could be synth. There are some there are some kind of programming and bits and pieces on on there, but you definitely hear it in the uh, in the riff under the the doo wops. The burp, 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 burp. It's down down low in the register there. There's there's a definite raspy kind of sound. 
And I just think it's interesting after last week's episode when we talked about the uh, the sax on the Sisters of Mercy album. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't quite decide whether it was real or not. Um, I'm I'm in the same position here. Yeah, I'm just having a quick listen. I can't possibly. I can't. I'm honestly not sure, Ian. I will. Uh, yeah, because there's some other bits and pieces. If we, uh, as we get into later tracks, where it, where there's where there's some things fooling the ear, which is uh, yeah, which yeah. is interesting. It's it particularly interesting when they're not. It's not an overly produced album with from a four piece band. The exactly. fact that they can do things with the instrumentation that make you go, "Hang on a minute, is that a?" I think it's quite clever, whether it's intentional or not. <laughs> if I was producing it, I would be tempted to put a horn section on that bit, playing exactly that. Yeah, You know, and so it does sound like someone's just been more restrained than I would be and just just put a sax on there to help that along. But it could well be programmed. It could be a synth. So we move away from the huge hit and land into the first non-single on the album which would be stop the bus a little bit different feels a little bit overtly heavier yeah again quite a nice riff and i just i just think with the choruses as well i've i've written this down the thing i said about the ordinariness the everydayness of the lyrics in a way i think the chorus for stop the bus sort of sums up the mo in in a in a strange way stop right here i know where i'm going it's it's like yeah that sort of spit is it's almost slightly meta in in a way <laughs> in, in a way of sort of identifying what their intention is. I was just say the the lyrics are that typical kind of critique of the of small town attitude. Mm. Uh, for, you know that people that kind of expire a little or see the world as being slightly larger and want to you know get out and explore it, being constantly told you know oh what's the point you know <laughs> kind of thing. There's a lot of kind of um, Although done with a you know a, a smile, there's a bit of vitriol in there, which is which is quite nice. They they don't remind me of the wonder stuff. But I think there's wonder stuff isms um, going on in that sense, perhaps a little bit. I I think it's one of those. Yeah, I, I, you could quite easily see how people that like wonder stuff would like Terrorvision and vice versa. There's a well, funnily enough, the only time I've seen Terrorvision live was supporting the Wonder Stuff. Oh, well, they, there so you go. They, they, they that are, speaks to that very much. Yeah. They're on the similar palette, maybe opposite ends of it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but the, you know, there's there's enough common ground. I also think that, I mean, it's not like, you know, the, the drumming's not like John Bonham's standout or anything, but I love the snare work underneath the riff. Slightly different syncopation. I think it really makes the riff stand out more because of the different spaces it gives it. Yeah, it's um, good solid. It's it's not utilitarian drumming. It's it's definitely musical uh, and adding to the uh, to the riffs and the, and the overall structure of the song rather than just being a rhythm to to play yeah, lo- along to. That that's touch I think that's touching on a wider a wider thing about television. I think they can all <laughs> God, here we go. It's this is the musical up your own whatever but you <laughs> i think the way that they present the songs i think you can tell that they can all feel each other and that a lot of these songs will come from jamming a riff yeah as opposed to a songwriter sitting down i mean i'm saying that i do not know that for a fact perhaps mark yates writes the whole things <laughs> i don't know but it sounds it sounds as if yeah it's certainly locked together like ideas that have emerged organically at the same time rather than separate writers trying to fit things with 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 other things it's you know it's definitely got that kind of 
feel. Like you say, we might be completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that that's the, that's the impression you got. And certainly live, they're playing together as a band, which, I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous you should have to point that out when you're seeing a band live. But there are, there are a lot of bands you can see and, and there are five musicians playing, <laughs> not necessarily a band playing, you know. Happens more than you more than you think. I think this is a good place to actually. We've we've talked about Tony Yates on guitar and Shutty on on drums. I think it's probably a good um, time to shout out the bass playing because I, I don't know whether Lee was a guitarist before, but he certainly plays bass as a as a someone that's recently turned their hand to 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 bass from um, from being a died in the wall guitarist. I noticed the things he do that he does on this that that i do and i know i only do them because i'm used to having more strings <laughs> there's a lot more kind of passing notes and, and muting slides between things and uh, and kind of double stops which are more tricks from a from a, a rhythm guitar and there's definitely especially if you see him live he he's not averse to throwing the odd bass chord in there and uh, and what have you but actually what stands out for the bass on this one is just that lovely you know it's a solid thunky bass i say this uh, uh, quite often when i say when i say thunky i'm talking about a th thunky it's got a real thunk sound to it we'll get into funky with an f later on but yeah it's uh, again it's it's typical television this one all all the bits are there all the all the component parts that you would talk about uh, or pull out as being uh, typical of television are in this song and and just one particular cracking line that always tickled my fancy and stood out to me was they don't build history to last yeah there's the odd little gem like that and it's like yeah that's a crowd yeah that's written that one yeah that's not a like kind of you know six former um my my first uh lyric kind of kind of thing that's that's a very uh very um clever lyric well discotheque wreck next <laughs> as i've already uh as i've already shown my my hand a little bit here if you want to kick off with this one <laughs> okay okay it's a terrible song um, <laughs> no it's um it, it is a a fantastic song it's it's quirky it's spiky is is what i, I get to it. it's you know it's 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 got lots of angle again it's got the kind of bounciness you've got in the in the verses you've got like a a slow syncopated arpeggio that's actually played on bass quite high up the neck while there's a light guitar arpeggio over over the top of it so you've actually got the the bass giving you most of the uh, of the sounds there under the um the chorus and then you get into that bouncy pre-chorus which is typical television and then mm. a really heavy rock a classic heavy rock not hard rock heavy rock chorus and sing along uh, sing along vocals awesome stuff yeah great uh, yeah great single Shut up, my album. <coughs> Great. <laughs> I'm saying that Oblivion could as well with those nice oh, I, absolutely. chords at the beginning. But uh, yeah, I, I would say if we're allowed two bangers per episode, this is the one that would get the second. <laughs> we, we're using the extra extra auxiliary bangs yeah, now. That's, I'm playing uh, my Joker banger. <laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair enough. This this holds a funny a funny place for me. I. 94 was a really weird year for me. I don't want to go about this too much, but like my dad died in 93. And uh, as I look back over the years, it had a much bigger effect on me than I ever thought it did at the time. Though that mm. might sound a bit empty, but I sort of look back and it did. And uh, 94 and 95 were sort of a bit sort of disjointed years. But 
the one thing that was always going on was was tons of music and both playing and listening. And that's one of the things I think that beds this album into my recollection of what made up 1994 and mm. 1995 for me. Because this was one of the... It wasn't necessarily the thing that I listened to the most or it was standout, but it was because it was so catchy and present and local and again you guys all my friends like the same stuff and all this kind of thing it, it somehow was was a bit of one of the bedrocks mm. in my sort of consciousness at the time and this particular song was indeed the center of that that bedrock was another sort of concentric circle inwards and yeah very i don't know i just just absolutely love this song i love the the picture that it paints the whole idea of the uh aging lothario down the disco <laughs> absolutely I just love it yeah. because you can it's so vivid you can see him and you can and, and again I, i'm sure there's a video i can't I, I can't think i've ever seen the video so i'm if that's exactly what the video is i swear to god i'm not making this up but in my head <laughs> i'm just like i can see this guy sort of in flares oblivious to the fact that he's a guy out of time just yes. being himself which again mirrors the band's attitude towards making the music so again little little tiny sort of meta streams um <laughs> this song just so so does it for me well we could say the same for nearly every you know it, it follows what this band do best you know, you've got to catch your chorus you've got a chug you've got a breakdown you've got a picked up edgier yeah you know it's got all those things and so on and so forth but but never done in the same way twice, and that's no, the no, thing. No. It's it's there's a formula, but it's not formulaic. Yes, um, it, yes, it doesn't feel like it, which means yeah. it's being used properly. Uh, yeah, it means it's the same thing as you can be the technical wizard or just write a couple of hit songs with three chords. The latter is the thing that is the X factor thing, and it's the balance and it's how to use the musical force, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. So, that they do that really well, well. What what they do is that you know they've each got a number of clubs in their their bag and and they know how to use them. But again and again they go back to that beautiful thing of ordinary speak. I can mash potato. I mean, come on, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, evoking mash gets smashed and robots and things. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's all those kind of you know all the all the names of those weird dancers from the the 60s the mashed potato and yeah, do yeah. do the twist and you know and it just pulls back into that aging disco character that yeah. you're talking about because yeah. i mean you don't see them so much now but still in the 90s you'd see these guys around with the you know medallions and and open shirts and sideburns and <laughs> and quiffs and what what have you, well, you know, silk flares yeah. there was you'd still see them around in you know <laughs> in the pubs and clubs we had a couple down the ku i don't know if you can remember the guy who was actually the really good ex-disco dancer <laughs> very odd guy but my god every now and again he'd sort of Cracky skills open on the dance yeah. floor is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, and the other thing about this song as well, I like that. I I like the heaviness within the context of the yep. the pop rock, vaguely metal thing. I love the heaviness of it when it doubles up, it doubles up the kicks at the end, and and the snare becomes more prominent. Just that build at the end as it goes out, I love it because it opens the riffs pretty heavy compared to the rest of stuff on the album. So I th I think that's such why a I smashing song why i like to make the distinction as the band that you know they are at heart a heavy rock band not a hard rock band not a pop rock band you know they're they're a heavy rock band they can yeah. do that they can riff they can play hard and heavy in a way that they can go on the same bill as you kind of more heavy metal as as what used to be heavy metal back in the day those those kind of um 
those kind of bands and they can you know go toe to toe but then they bring in this all these other colors as well <laughs> this this is perhaps an interesting thing which again speaks to them and their style they're one of those bands you could have seen them on on a number of bills with a number of bands yeah and those bands would never be seen on a bill with one of the other bands necessarily but television you could and i don't think it's just because they had it wasn't the sort of just the popism of the hits genuinely they could sort of they were like a utility act again a utility support perhaps on bigger bills because they just nailed it and yeah and always fit in a strange way moving on to uh, another single middleman this uh, this is quite a song this is quite mm. a song it's it's more quite a song because it's uh, perhaps the other songs and television perhaps leaning into not being too self-conscious and just enjoying themselves and having a expounding that through their music directly but middleman real layers of melancholy here yeah well yeah i mean it's 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 definitely a different uh flavor to the songs we've heard so far it's a lot slower for a start there's some different musical styles and it's quite um feels quite light in places and then but then it's not (laughs) you know it's kind of sneaks it sneaks up on you yeah the lyrics are a lot darker although there's you know there's still the television joy in there this is the one that's got probably the most evident production on it on the album there's this uh, string arrangement on there there's um you know there's some pizzicato strings plucky Mm. bits going on uh, and what have you and it's one of those that I, I think kind of brings the album up into a uh, into the kind of contemporary production uh, space. I don't know who was responsible for the ideas uh, on that, whether it was the producer or the band or, or or what have you. But there's there's a there's an intelligence in a, an arrangement there that doesn't. It, but the song doesn't sound like out of place. It doesn't sound like they've made a left turn and done something different. It still fits in with the whole flow of the album, but it's you know it's it's just a different uh, different palette that they're that they're using. Yeah, it just feels a little bit more earnest. Mm. Yes, again, like, you know, playing in a more melancholy manner. Um, obviously, that's the, the nature of the nature of the song. But like you say, it's not it's not going outside the confines of of what you'd expect so it feels safe and not out of place but then you get towards the end and we've got a do 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 you know suddenly they get all chirpy again (laughs) it's as if they almost can't not do that in spite of themselves (laughs) which is is a wonderful wonderful thing to be honest yeah it just sounds like they were having a really good time (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if it's just me this does sound it does feel like a guitar player's song have written uh, again that's instinctual i don't know whether that is the case or not no i i, I don't uh, i don't know we don't get such in-depth analysis of that kind of thing on on wikipedia there's quite a lot of movement in the the, the bridge section as well there's, yep. there's a, quite a lot of chordal movement and, oh yeah uh, there's some um, interesting uh, arrangement going on which again gives it some more gravitas there's there's another bridge later on that then's absolutely that shit crazy considering the song that it's in as well but we'll come on to that i love occasionally they do kind of throw you a loop occasionally with the bridge i do like that actually i do like that because it just gives you these little little surprises um type of thing but uh okay moving on to still the rhythm yeah what 
the real standout thing for me in this is the the, the two main lyrics. You, I've seen them written down, but there seems to be some kind of dimensional disparity with what I'm hearing. Um, so, so you're talking about <laughs> the official lyrics are it's a very very good, and it sounds like he's saying bad bad boy. Or, yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah, it's very, very good, very, very good, very, very poor. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think for years I completely uh, uh, misunderstood what those those uh, those lyrics were. I thought it was singing something like stolen goods or stolen guns. <laughs> and it, um, I, so I thought strange. guns was in there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I... But so yeah, it's, and that, and that is one of the main the main refra- refrains that he keeps coming back to in in the song. Yeah, <laughs> but to have still the still the rhythm sound like stolen goods. I mean, there's a little bit of similar, but I mean, there must be. A, I'd love to know what the story is there or why they decided to. It's like it feels as if they're not a band who have to shoehorn something in to make it sound right by dissociating the sounds with the words, sort of. I, I just don't, I'd love to know what the story was. Was <laughs> it on purpose? Are they taking the piss? But yeah, yeah, I, just really, really interesting. That was the thing that struck me when I went and just had a look, quick look at the lyrics. I'm like, you are joking. <laughs> I, I, I cannot mentally make that fit. And I've just listened to it, reading it. I'm like, it makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> uh, so, but I'm sure there's a proper, proper intention there. It's also a, a, a strange song because it, sta- it, st- it starts and, and indeed the, the verses are that uh, clean guitar sound. But it's a weird choice of clean guitar sound. It, it, I mean, it is literally, this comes back to what we we're saying about them being a live band. It's literally, I don't know whether it's a, uh, an 800, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a Marshall and you've stomped the, um, the crunch off and that's what you're left with. Mm. It's not a tuned clean, it's not a uh, jangly clean it's a yeah. it's a kind of tone that people try not to get <laughs> i know what you mean yeah sort of just warm string but slightly dead yeah. i know what you mean i know what you mean yeah there's... but then again he's not he's not hanging yeah because he's not hanging chords and there's movement again playing a bit of funk i can sort of see why it suits what they're trying to do yeah oh <laughs> a, 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 absolutely uh, although they get close to that into into some other yeah yeah you're other right, songs, you're right. but it's just better. Uh, I, I I saw I looked at what he was doing live, and it's just it's just barring with one finger up and down the the neck, so it's not even, you know, it's not retuned or anything. So it's yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a strange thing. Simplicity. And then of course you get to the the chorus, and it's bang, there we go, rock guitars back, yeah, yeah. Um, and and here we go. In the verses, he basically, yeah, he steps the crunch on and keeps yeah. playing the same thing. So again, that's the mechanism. It's the clean, yeah. dirty sort of. So and it, which is exactly what you do if you if you kind of written this song and and you had you know an amp with a crunch channel and a and a I'll not say clean channel <laughs> a non crunch channel um, and a pedal that you can stomp them on and off. That's exactly what mm. you know what you're going to come up with and and it means that when you play it live, it sounds like it sounds on the record and what have you. I just can't help thinking that a modern producer would have done something with that that tone and tried to brighten it up a, a, a little bit. There's also something going on on the bass, and I don't know whether it's some kind of wet effect on the bass or there's some synth, some oka 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 kind of synth going on there as well. But uh, you know that's interesting. So so they've they've you know they've not just smashed them out 
and gone for a pint. They've they have crafted well, the, the songs. They probably and, have. Well, they might they might well have done, but the, you know, there's there's a lot of um, production thought in there. Yeah, Even yeah. though you know that, as we said earlier, there's not it's not overproduced to the point that it's that you couldn't pull it off live, or you'd need to constantly bring a parade of extra musicians on to, mm-hmm. to support what you what you're doing. But yeah, so it's some interesting stuff. But yeah, I think the standout point for me is. <laughs> How, why, why, why the lyrics? Um, why do the lyrics not sound like the lyrics? Yeah, it's just a bit of a mystery, isn't it? It is a bit of a mystery. Just the other things about the song. I like his soloing on this. It's kind of straightforward stuff, and and it feels like not not an instinctual first take solo. I think he puts them together and finds tasteful things that he wants to do. There's some just nice little just sliding up and down strings on the solo, little mm. sort of pitch things really nice but work horrendously well it's like again I, I, it throws me back to um the extreme the two-man extreme album that we did nuno i mean nuno's a different caliber of player but in a sense he he put things to, i always felt he put things together rather yeah. than just did an instinctive first take and it mark yeah it's, it's the only way i'd probably compare him to nuno necessarily but he it sounds like he's got a really tasteful ear for I'll take that bit. I'll take that bit. I'll I'll wind it together, and then it'll sound like a a, a meaningful component piece within the song. And right. I, I think there's, you know, there's two or three really good examples of that on this album. I think he's got like a sort of a genteel way of approaching it. Almost his soloing feels more genteel than the rest of his playing. The rest of his playing, he sounds like a a tasty uh, rock player with a great ear. His, some of his soloings, I think, is quite, yeah, quite sort of genteel would be the word I'd use. Um, and again, really weirdly, then you've got this little bolt-on sort of picks part at the end, which it's like, where did that come from all of a sudden? Um, just sort of a little outro almost, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah, plenty of layers. And like you said, plenty of things from the toolbox to throw in, which is cool. Uh, moving on to... Ten Shades of Grey. It's not overtly bluesy, but when I listen to the sort of opening bits of this, I always get I, I get that sort of vibe of woke up this morning. Da, da, yeah. da, da, da. It, it's that sort of musical cadence. But um, we're we're in the same territory here. I mean, my my first note was bluesy ballad. That's yeah, kind yeah. of where we are, and and but we're in the same musical territory as um, as uh, Faith No More on forgetting the name of the the, uh, the the track now you know that kind of loungy lounge edge ballad of the song yeah edge of the world yeah. and then you know we're, we're in that context I, I think for a couple of reasons one it's a completely different tone two it shows off tony's voice actually as you know he's not in in kind of mike Patton's league for the range you know of being able to do opera and <laughs> country yeah. but actually you can say he's got more than one trick in there he can he can pull off this kind of thing and he can sing a, a kind of melodic uh, tuneful kind of thing and he can do the kind of throat <laughs> shredding as well and so it's you know it's just a nice a, a nice showcase for that that kind of thing i think also in this this what i think is interesting in this it sounds like there's electric piano in it but I don't think it is. I think it's the it's the way that the guitar and bass are playing. I think the bass might be plucking multiple strings on the uh, on the one of each bar, um, and the and the way it's resonating against the guitar gives it a, a bit of a, a, a 
you know that you know that kind of electric piano you know your Rhodes piano kind of, yeah, kind of yeah. sound which, which again gives it that that kind of lounge blues type of type of feel yeah there's, a, there's all sorts going on here as well yeah. like, there's the bit where it comes to the um there's like a three note arpeggio about halfway through where it sort of drops to a bridge and for me that sounds like a bit sort of almost 1970s Beatles production there's, yeah. there's that sort of Sgt Peppery thing which again mm-hmm. if you think that's so kind of you know there was nothing I woke up this morning blues about that necessarily so it's kind of it's fascinating that you can have two things in one thing but they're absolutely seamless yeah and, and again it's it's a natural thing it's not going back to everything we've already said it's not something that you can imagine vaguely is engineered how do we force these these different sort of flavors in it's something that's extremely organic well th- this is what it sounds like when you've got a bunch of people who are they've obviously you know they've got wide record collections or have had a range of influences <laughs> growing up and they're not on a scene there wasn't this massive bradford scene of, of a thousand bands that <laughs> sounded like this they're kind of on their own and also no no one really else in the country or anywhere else sounded like this absolutely so it, so it's, yeah. it's not like there are any rules to how television should sound they're going to sound like you know whatever they bloody choose to sound like because there's that you know that's what's going to happen so, so if they go oh well you know <laughs> let's do do this oh it would sound a bit if you know if we added this bit in or, or what have you they're just gonna they should do it because it's them i mean it's, that's they're the co- <laughs> they're the common component that, that holds all these bits together and throughout this album there's just they're just grabbing bits of, uh, of musical style from all, all over the place and just banging them in and just just the other thing that i'd noted i realized well the the little piece that comes at the end of all the verses, depend, I mean, it bridges into, uh, I think it bridges into the chorus and bridges into the bridge, but the little, just the little unison walk up with the bass yep. and the guitar, the do, 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 do. It's just lovely. It's just good shit. It's really nice. Really nice organic song construction. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it just feels so, you know, breezy and, and, and natural. Oh, I love it. Love it. So on to stab in the back. Well, uh, talking about uh, kind of grabbing things from here, there, and everywhere, this is a classic. Uh, television do this a lot, actually. Their their intro is in a completely different style to the rest of the rest of the song. So we we start, which is kind of a say, so, oh, we've got a funk disco song going on here. Right, She's sh- got it's Shaft, isn't it, Neil? Absolutely, you got you got you know <laughs> wacky guitar, funky disco guitar, and bongos going. Yeah, out, you know, yeah. or and then that's what the intro does, and then it goes, oh no, this way, <laughs> and it's like the, the and then the, the kind of rock band suddenly um, uh, stumbles onto stage. Um, it's brilliant. They do that a lot, actually. This is their, uh, I guess, this might be considered their Bohemian Rhapsody then, because this is actually for nearly just short five minutes, whereas. Quite rightly said, everything else is around the two and a half to three minute mark. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like you say, that, that sort of 70s sounding funk guitar line, I suppose. But disc, actually, no, you've nailed it. Disco, more disco, more disco. But it is, it's, um, it's Starsky and Hutch soundtrack, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But th- this idea of lifting, there do sound to be these little sort of sonic tropes going on. I mean, the, the motif used in the chorus is like Foxy Lady. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. it's a direct rip. No, but it's, it's the tropes it's got there, that vibe it? about it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, I do wonder if there were any. I wonder if there were any vagaries of intention to go in a direction. I don't know. Probably not, to be honest. Probably not. 
But yeah, yeah. And again, it's another cracking one lyrically. I love I love him going around the list of things that are lacked. <laughs> it's just it's just really great. Again, this straightforward approach to sort of to lyrics. You just can't be it. He lacked this is lacked and this is lacked. It's like some gentle character assassination type thing. Just really works. And again, yeah. another nice little guitar solo too. Yeah. Um, with with some more band unison parts kicking around. Really, really good. Really, really good. And the other thing is, I, the other thing I like about when bands use styles, if they're not, if they're not sort of overtly technical bands, I sort of think they get more out of using styles because I, I always think that musicians who are overtly technical and capable and um, you know have learnt by reps rather than playing drunk it with their mates in their teens. They, they shade whatever they use a certain way. I think musicians who are, you know, perhaps not uber technical don't do that. They they really lean into the thing that they're using and, and get more out of it, which I think you can really tell with television. Yeah. A little break from the album tracks. Not, me- not meant disparagingly vaguely, uh, but on to Pretend Best Friend, which I've watched, uh, I've watched, she's not with us anymore, but I've watched her, uh, an old friend of mine trying to sing this. Oh man, we had fun learning this at the time. I did not, would not have relished having to try and sing this. This is where the big gymnastics really come in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think to go back to the point I was making about, you know, parallels with, with uh, Mike Patton. Is it rapping? No, I don't know. But he's in that territory and there's, there's a lot there's a lot of syllables going on there and it's, you know, that kind of machine gun. And it's unlike the, um, in still the rhythm, you can, you can actually hear everything he's saying in this, despite the fact it's, it's so quick. I think again, this is, we're into classic television territory. You kind of listen to this and go, yeah, that's, it's representative of, of, of what they, what they do. But you know, that's the first time they've done that fast delivery, uh, kind of rappy kind of thing incredible infectious bouncy groove going on that's what they do incredibly well that particular single note chug up on the the low the low <laughs> frets it, this is my fa- yeah this is my absolute all-time favorite chug the do 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 it's just yeah it's yeah. Abs- tasty as hell tasty as hell. absolutely absolutely and it's just it's it sounds simple and complex at the same <laughs> at the same time absolutely no, it does it really does and then they throw a curveball that's a hell of a curveball. So you get this sort of um, slightly more jazzy extended chord bridge with trumpet. Yeah, you, you're like back to... lounge room trumpet. You're what? back to la- yeah, kind of lounge room uh, jazz. In fact, I don't think it is trumpet. I think it's flugelhorn. <laughs> oh, well, when I hear it, when I hear it, the, the, the mix of that, that like those, those sort of smooth, smoky room trumpet Yeah, absolutely. Line over the top of do you, do you remember cannonball run right this is this is va- <laughs> so there is a song in that i can't remember who's the person and basically when they arrive at the club at the beginning there's this there's like a trumpet line <laughs> and i always think of that <laughs> sorry folks you're gonna to have to go and listen to, ca- to watch the film <laughs> cannibal run so if you hate al needham it just feels like that and when i hear that trumpet line coming over those chords in my in my head i'm then also picturing the guy who's in the disco at discotheque wreck 
again, walking into this room and just sort of jiving across confidently. <laughs> it just because it evokes cheese, pure cheese in the face of. Oh, yeah. It's like a switch channels on the TV and it's some yeah, yeah. S- scene from a. It's American a, TV. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> some weird kind of. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we have to get it in every time. I'm a bit um, so. <laughs> But you switched over to some kind of, you know, noir type thing. Yeah. And then after a bit, just flick back. Oh, no. And again, that chug delivered with a, the hard snare at the beginning again. Yeah. Just in a similar way to the previous track where we uh, were talking about like the snare under a well-used snare under again that that is off uh, what was the word you used uh, the style of drumming you alluded to this is that as opposed to <laughs> some sort of free free form thing love it those uh, just anything that can have a bridge like that with a trumpet on it in the middle of such a banging chuggy rift song is just genius to me yeah and it doesn't sound wrong it just no, yeah. absolutely say, not of course it does that <laughs> what, what the hell else where the hell else would it go so <laughs> yeah this, this this is triggering for me time of the signs <laughs> not to be confused with another track by somebody who occasionally wrote a tune yeah that guy um and the real weird thing is he actually sings Sign of the Times. In the, so, again, the, this idea of, you know, there is an intent to put it back to front. I mean, in 1994, I can't see television would have given a shit about releasing a song called Sign of the Times just because this peculiar little musical genius did it in 1987. I, I, I can't see that, that there would have been any any fear no, of doing that. Or I don't think so. necessary reason why you wouldn't. So, again, I'd, I'd kind of love to know why they've inverted it for the title but when they sing it they sing it forward i don't know i think to me it just, it just smacks of kind of it's almost like beatles it's a kind of ringo thing isn't it so it's, it's your you know hard day's night just fun fun with words someone probably said time of the signs by mistake once and they just say oh we'll call it that from now on i mean it's it's it just it's just into band in yeah. joke really isn't it this is another one that like you know like stab in the back that starts with a, I mean, it starts with with the guitar again. I, I think this one it more so where the guitar almost sounds like a, a electric piano. It sounds like it could be hmm. 10cc or Toto or Air Supply or someone like, like that. It's like little picked double stops or triplets. Just yeah, dun, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but it's got that. Good it's got yeah, it's got that kind of late seventies, yeah. you know, pomp rock kind kind of thing going on. Doesn't stay there for long. <laughs> And then, who knows, perhaps an ever so vague nod in in the funky guitar playing Purple Pixie direction, the, 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 the little bits that have been played in the in the verses, a lovely fast little, fast little sort of uh, small, you know, again, double stop chords and stuff. They really, really yeah. work. But this is very much in kind of Electric Boys territory. You know, that uh, Dan yeah. Reed network, these, they're kind of funk metal bands that you had around in the kind of late 80s early 90s it's 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 in that kind of territory rather than proper funk Mm -hmm. (laughs) if i can call it i don't i don't mean uh, uh, to be demeaning by that what i mean is not you know it's not your your kind of prince or um oh god what do you call him i can't even remember the names of people now i'm I'm having a (laughs) I'm losing my memory completely. We're getting on a bit here. <laughs> who who sung who sung uh, "Living in America" on? <laughs> oh, that little known artist, James Brown. James Brown. 
I mean, how could I forget? But you know, <laughs> you know those those kind of um... the Godfather of Soul. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> What, wasn't he just famous for Rocky Four? <laughs> oh, was he, don't he even. Was most famous for taking that that robot on tour. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you know, I mean, I mean, like you know, proper funk stuff like that. We're not in that kind kind of territory, but we're in that that kind of um, uh, funky rock kind of kind of stuff. It's all, all those those kind of mm-hmm. uh, sounds. And again, it's it's perfect because you've got the the song flying by at a fair lick of knots. And actually, if you did something more with the guitar there, it would kind of swamp everything. It's nice. That I mean, that's the perfect choice of what the guitar should be doing at that kind of kind of light touch, fast, funky double stop. And again, at the end, you've got a lovely unison part with the guitar and the bass. It's actually following the vocal melody, and that's yeah. really nice. The da, 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 it's just yeah, lovely, lovely mechanics, not forced. Just just works a treat. Works yeah, it just flows. Just you might say it's just what the doctor ordered. But I'm <laughs> Which brings us on beautifully um, to what the doctor ordered. Okay, so <laughs> this is this is uh, this could be um, this could be controversial. One thing I do think about this album is they could have done with dropping a couple of songs. I think it would have been a, again not that it isn't just great. But that thing where you listen to something and it's like, hang on, is it that song or is it that song? I'm not completely sure. We alluded to this when we chatted vaguely mm-hmm. uh, prior to this. And I, I do wonder if they could have dropped... Not again, put it, put them on the next album, by all means, but just tighten up the whole set a, a, a little bit. And, and I think Doctor Ordered was probably the first one that made me feel a little bit like that. Because again, you've got a open string, chuggy chuggy intro and it, it again i'm not bored of it, it it's, there's nothing wrong with it it's a great tune but i'm just thinking do you go and go and go and go i get again I, th- I think this one to me is is just showing off another side of the stuff they do and you've also got to play, place it kind of in the time of you know we, we've talked about the the kind of bands they were they were touring with Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, both going out and sport. And there's a kind of wide range there. To me, this sounds like it could it's it could have been on Metallica's first album. That's what it sounds like to me. It's because people forget you you're used to hearing kind of heavy heavy metal in that kind of thrashy style. People forget that the production on those early thrash albums was very thin and and, and tinny and what have you. It didn't mm. have that you know those these big fat guitar tones that, that metal is associated with. It. I always thought it owed more to punk than metal at the time. The production. Very much. Well, thr- Thrash did, uh, yeah. certainly. But, I mean, this sounds to me like a Metallica riff with, with kind of Anthrax uh, approach to, to kind of lyrics and, and vocals on it. And I love that. That I mean, that was my mid to late 80s. <laughs> it kind of, these are all the bands that I love. And it probably was, because they were the bands that they were touring. If you think about what was happening, yes, you got all the hair metal stuff, but the the kind of big movements i think in the in the north of england especially that you got you had all the earache records stuff coming out of kind of nottingham and and, and that kind of area and you had the grebo stuff coming out of, of birmingham and they were the bands because they weren't big enough to do you know the odd city hall here and there they were the bands that were doing all the universities they were doing all the clubs so you'd be constantly seeing bands like you know acid acid rain zentrix sabat you know these these kind of bands and and that stuff was in the air and these guys are all 
around about our age, maybe you know, a, a year or two back. So you know, they they are referencing the same kind of music that was around. It doesn't surprise me at all that they've got a a, a kind of thrashy type song in there, and they came up uh, came up with it. Then you get into pre-chorus. It goes, "Yep, it's Terrorfish, and <laughs> remember us." <laughs> uh, but what I think I like most about this is there's like a very very English take on Rage Against the Machines, Killing in the Name. Yeah. <laughs> what I don't need is you telling me. <laughs> what I don't need is you telling me. What I don't. And it is very yeah. much a very polite fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. That's um, that exactly what I've written in inverted commas. Uh, what I don't want is you telling me. It's like I, that, I, that line. I, I hadn't. It's brilliant association with Rage Against the Machine. That's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, no, super. But yeah, that's that's kind of the standout uh, lyrical lyrical piece. That I shout for doubt. So I don't know whether that is an in, intentional homage or possibly or, or dig. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it does sound like the <laughs> the most yeah. English um, take on that on that. Uh, now you've said it, I can't see how it isn't. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's really and I, good. And I will forever love it for that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to do a really bad link about some people say that's what it might be aimed at, but hey. Some people say, <laughs> mentioned about earlier on about, I, I feel this is the worst produced one, just a little mm-hmm. bit more than Middleman, yep. actually. This, again, another one, uh, perhaps, I don't know, when this, again, when they slip into the melancholy, I think the depth does come out a little bit in, in a slightly different dimension. Again, not not over-egging it, and they're still them, but we find ourselves in a, in a similar, uh, slightly more somber place again. And I think this... Middle middleman sounded like a. This says ballad to me slightly more than middleman did. Um, yeah, if you know what I mean. But but what it says to me is those kind of epic, yeah, ballads yeah. that you uh, uh, heavy heavy ballads that you get on a lot of hair metal ballad. That's <laughs> what this is. A little bit. I I wouldn't say that. I I, I was going to. I th- I think it's very much the you've got this a, a lot of heavy metal bands would put an acoustic song on there yeah, where they, they yeah. and i think it's more in that That's that vein. Yeah, yeah. but it does it sounds epic in terms of in a cinematic kind of way slash on a church <laughs> in a mountain type of thing <laughs> <with Ebla. laughs> it, has it got nine minutes waiting for a good riff <laughs> um <laughs> no, not quite there but it does have some very nice beatles-esque string arrangements as we touched on the Beatles before I think mm. they've they've kind of um grabbed in that kind of area again which I think quite frankly any British rock band has every right to do it's part of uh, our musical heritage and we <laughs> we should not be afraid to uh, to plunder that and it's you know it's done it's done uh, done very well but this I think again Tony's voice it's dark and brooding and, and, and gentle and those kind of things but it's so full of emotion and when it's it's unleashed at the end my god is that yeah. powerful when you hit the do you think i cans it's exactly it really tugs at the heartstrings oh ab- absolutely yeah. and it, i mean it's absolutely there on the edge of his vocal but you know because he's a good singer you don't feel that he's going to actually lose his voice but he does he sounds like he's putting everything into it mind you he sounds like he's putting everything into it all the time yeah. <laughs> it's another thing as well i'm i don't know I, again this is probably because I, I i'm a bit of a i think my my rock roots rightly or wrongly are more american than they are british i didn't do the sort of the deep purple black sabbath thing 
they've never quite chimed with me the same. So subsequently, I think I'm sort of slightly programmed to hear American voices and occasionally mm-hmm. I struggle with UK dialects in music. The one thing I will say about listening to television, it doesn't bother me at all. And indeed, I relish it. And I have absolutely no reason why that is. No reason at all. Because they sound like us. I don't, well, I don't know. There's <laughs> other examples where it bugs me a little bit, but this doesn't. Never, never has done. I don't know. Yeah, but that perhaps it is uh, the proximal thing and the, <laughs> the sort of subliminal closeness. I don't know. Uh, on to the last, first, last, first, last, first, last track on the album. What makes you tick? In a funny way, I haven't got tons to say about this because I attribute some similar things here, possibly as I did with what the Doctor ordered. I, I for me, it feels like this might have been one of the one tracks too many. But again, not in a bad way. I don't mean that in a in a negative way. And yeah, this is all about the using the take my time TikTok repetitive variants to come back into the beginning. And indeed, he uses to be honest the the take my time phrasing he uses very well throughout the song. The way that he um, just the way he uses it vocally, the way he syncopates it, and and whereabouts he uses it, it's really really good. Yeah, I'm gonna be crap about that. So I I've really got. Great deal to say about this. I really hope you have a little bit of something. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. <laughs> so we've we've talked about how they are such a uh, live band, and the opening riff the, on this this is exactly what a Les Paul through a JCM eight hundred sounds like in real life. Before you start twiddling and putting stuff on in studio and EQing and what have you this is exactly what that sounds like and it's yeah, exactly yeah. what that will sound like if you tug that onto a stage and played it um, and, and, and mic'd it up and I think that's re- really important because you don't usually when you've got those that kind of sound they're all they're always being tweaked but the producers are always after this tone <laughs> for, for, for the record and I think I think it's great for that just to be so true to what to have actually captured that amp because we've all tried to do do it <laughs> i don't think i've ever got my amp to sound like it sounds in my head <laughs> where i'm recording it i think we're um, i think we're on the same boat <laughs> and you know i love the fact that it's, it sounds like it sounds like that so yeah and we, so we've got the tiktok that, that that ties the song to the album intro there's some nice lead breaks going on there I don't know if there's a key change. It might just be the arrangement. There was a bit where it sounds like it's perhaps changed changed key because it because it's got that. It's it's quite. It's this will probably be the longest song. Maybe I don't know. There's a lot going on on, on Spotify. It's down as uh, fourteen minutes. And ah, but but that's that's, that's the, the the hidden stuff on the on the end. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure. I, I probably scrub through it actually and see. Uh, where it ends just over four minutes just over four so minutes second it sounds longest like. yeah, second, it is longer. yeah yeah but it um puts me in mind a little bit of there's a song called overture on Def leopard's first album that mm-hmm. ends that and again it, it, you're you're not quite into rock territory but it, it's it's that kind of if you were if you were to try and get stairway to heaven into a three minute <laughs> song rather than you know a full nine 12 minutes whatever it it is you know it's got that kind of shape to it Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. you've got that kind of progressive uh transition from from your kind of almost whimsical slower bits and and it you know it just gathers pace as as it goes on i mean in fact there's a there's a few things that sound a bit 
stairway just i mean just a couple of lines that kind of touch on that kind of melody not enough to get to to get sued for <laughs> no i'm not saying it's intentional but you know there's a couple of phrases where the first three notes just kind of put you in mind because of the instrumentation yeah, yeah. or what have you but no I, I i like it i um and i like the um the the tiktoks and the 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 tiktok tiktok sampling and and how that comes back in and in a way so so just to be clear about what we're alluding to this uh this track is 14 and a half minutes long on the cd because after the song finishes at just over four minutes it goes silent for a while and then there's a montage of um recordings taking on obviously some kind of crappy probably tape recorder or dictaphone or something which is just seems to be recorded candidly with a band doing various things whilst on on tour there's a, it starts off with a what sounds like a fe- female i don't know if you like the equivalent of carnival bark at the people that hang outside the uh, strip clubs trying to tempt you tempt you in um and i think it was all recorded in when they were on tour in new york if i'm if i'm right there, there's one point where they're talking to an old uh, asian guy and saying oh we know not lots of people from pakistan we you know from bradford and, and what have you and then asking when they can buy coke which is <laughs> which is quite funny um you know and there's just bits and pieces uh, like that i don't know why it's on there it's just little snippets of life on the life on the road um but i would rather it ended with the tick of time so that i could play the hit repeat and just get it to wrap round, <laughs> get wrap round. so you know in order to do that i've got to edit that edit that song so i can get the full effect of the beginning and end matching yes i love a little touch is that as we get to the end of the album like i said like i said at the beginning that when we when you suggested doing this and I started listening back again, it really threw me at, at the band as much as the album, um, which it doesn't generally. But a lot wrapped up in this for me. I think one just one brief thing I want to mention is the album cover, which I absolutely loved because it's so <laughs> it's kind of so stark and outstanding. And and you know it, it's one that if you were you if you were looking at um, a CD shelf at a distance. And they were all front on in, in your local record store. You could very easily make it out this shining silver and blue <laughs> uh, album. I just, I just always thought the album cover was really good. But yeah, no, looking back, they're, they're sort of an incredibly pleasantly and lovingly perplexing act at, at television. It's like they seem incredibly simple in one way, but you can't quite put your finger on certain things in another way. And I think they do speak to just a, be- a better time for music, for popular music on the radio and popular music in, in your sort of pop culture firmament as you wandered around at a certain age. It makes, this, this is, you know, I, I can listen to music and miss things because that music's attached to events, for example. I think we can all do that. This album holistically makes me think of everything else in the 90s. It makes me think of all the random acts that were on TFI Friday, for example, and I could yeah. you could just throw. I'm sure television played it. it there's something about it that it well, could have only existed in the '90s. The band could, I mean, after I, the I '90s, they couldn't have existed because there'd have been no way for them to be heard because the industry wouldn't have put them out there, and we people are programmed not to listen to this type of sort of. I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting you mentioned TFI because probably 
possibly the nearest band that are kind of there might be Reef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's your We're, letters. Yeah, because they've got the you know again you know similar lineup and and um, you know I don't I don't not quite the sense sense of humor and not quite the the range but you know that they they have that kind of kind of funky rocky kind of thing going on and an incredibly good vocalist and and, and what have you you know and it's not it's no surprise that the the um, they did that tour. A few years ago, it's Wild Hearts, Terrorvision, and Brief doing mm. the revolving headliner. You know, it all it kind of makes sense. I, I think they're they're kind of one of the best kept secrets yeah, <laughs> in yeah, British music. Uh, almost like you know, if you're at a Terrorvision gig, it's just full of people smugly saying, "God, those people that haven't come to this gig, they really don't understand what they're missing, do they?" They just they are one of a kind. They are their own thing. And they're probably often dismissed as being, you know, nothing particularly special or, or you know, and, and nothing could be further from the from the truth. Unique enough to be unique. Um, yeah. And they're still they're still touring. Still and, you know, touring. They, they reform this story. If you get a chance, go because it's yeah. a, a very, very good. Very light. But I, I remember, you know, when they, when they broke up the first time, actually, just to go think, talk about the, the band in, in terms of the songwriting and stuff. I see, I saw all this, those solo bands because we were lucky enough to be geographically so located. You know, there was Blunderbuss and Malibu, Stacey and Like a Dog. They were all playing all the, the places around here and, you know, had umpteen opportunities to uh, to uh, to see them. And it was all good stuff, mm. you know. It's so, um, you know, so, so I don't know if the... the drummer had a band but you know that but uh yatesy we blunderbuss and and i mean tony's done solo stuff but um like a dog and then um lee with malibu stacy you know it was <laughs> it was all uh it was all interesting stuff no definitely and i guess i don't know we may do another another of their albums at some point in time but i i would say as a holistic piece of work i think this is the album that's possibly the strongest Obviously, there's a certain amount of subjectivity in there. I I, I always felt that like regular Urban Survivors, Shaving Peaches, and Good to Go had you know some re- really really good stuff on. They never really changed the formula. They tried a few different quirks. I mean, something like Tequila being a really good example, <laughs> but you know they could smash it out of the park. And again, Perseverance is a huge song. Yeah, you know, they. they yeah, they 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 did what they did, and this is this is what makes me sad because they this band is a real a sort of sign a sign of the times. It's they're a dinosaur because their like is not around there in in the there probably is a band similar to this somewhere, but they'll they won't get a record deal and they won't be backed. It's you know it speaks to a a different time. You, I think you know the, there is of this obvious cliched cycle in life where you're trying to convince your parents that this band is good and they're like ah no they don't make music (laughs) and then shit god damn you find yourself you know you sort of like used to be better and you you know and it's even worse if you're a musician because you think you can actually quantify you forget it's all subjective (laughs) and you think you can actually quantify why it's better and then you actually start believing it and then you do actually believe it and i kind of (laughs) do But again, am I just stuck in the eternal universal loop? I don't know. But this band <laughs> are an example of 
of what was and what will possibly never be again. And that really makes me sad because of everything that we've said up to this point about them, their music, their writing, the way they make you feel and, and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, don't want to leave it on a downer. But the beauty of music is the beauty of music, isn't it? It's there all the time. You can get it, you can have it, you can consume it, you can share it, you can tell people about it, you can talk about it on podcasts, you can play it loud as fuck well, out of your car window. It's great, you know. That's the thing. That's why the, the whole um, idea behind this podcast is not as being music critics. It's us as yeah. music listeners saying what we like or don't like about about <laughs> about the albums which is completely subjective and um you know we're completely aware that there might be people that, that completely disagree with yeah. every single word we've said and that's fine it's possibly no it's probably <laughs> no co- no coincidence that so far we haven't done an album that we've kicked the shit out of um, well sonic temples on its way we'll have one <laughs> dissenter but other than that <laughs> anyway on that bombshell, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, this was a blast. Ian and myself will try and uh, slot in the odd uh, the odd two man because I think it is a different vibe and it's it's quite cool and serves a, a great additional purpose to the to the thread of uh, releases that we do. So wherever you are, have a good evening and thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.